Assalamu alaikum everyone, welcome to the Ferikan podcast As you guys can see, we're in a new location This is I think the first time ever we've travelled out of the studio for a recording in Melbourne So we've colonised it Alhamdulillah, for a very very <laughs> special guest, long awaited Mufti Zia, Jazakallah khairan for coming on episode with us Alhamdulillah, so beautiful to have you guys over And Alhamdulillah today inshallah ta'ala we will uh, speak on pertinent issues and matters inshallah and uh, I'm excited too, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. It's a late session. We have our coffees, hot chocolates. It's going to be a good one, inshallah. We had a nice conversation before the podcast started. And I thought we'll touch on it. It's a bit of a nice topic. You just came back from two months of travel? Yes, two months. 24th of uh, December to the 24th of Feb. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. We came in early. I gotta become Eight a countries, bro. 13 flights. Inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's beautiful to hear. And I think a lot of people that listen to the podcast and they were big travelers. So how we're just in Europe, you know, my brother and I, we love traveling and stuff like that. So we wanted to touch on your experiences because the countries you're saying you've been to, it's like yeah. you're, just, you're just making us excited to go ourselves, <laughs> you know, inshallah, after COVID. So I wanted to touch on where, what's your favorite place to travel to? Besides maybe Saudi, because you're talking to us previously about that. Maybe another country you really enjoy going back there, meeting the people and stuff like that. You know, uh, when it comes to countries, every country has some speciality. I always say that if Allah put all the goodness in one country, it will be Jannah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So Allah, there's pros and cons in every country, but every country has something amazing and something unique to it. But uh, on my recent travel, one country that really uh, was outstanding was Oman. And, uh, you know, Oman is very underrated. People just, oh, it's Oman, it's just on the side. And people, you know, subhanAllah, uh, look at Dubai. Dubai is literally just one street with buildings. That's what it is, you know. And the hype is there, and because the, the photo, the, the photos come through, the videos come through, and the cameras are just on Dubai all the time. But if you go to places like Oman, it's as beautiful um, from a dunya perspective. But then there's so much sira there, there's so much sira of the Prophet sallallahu You know, there was a Sahabi by the name of. Um, uh, Sayyidina Mazin ibn Ghadduba radiallahu an, And he was the first one that came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa from Oman. And he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I want to become Muslim and I want to take deen back to Oman. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him the duas. And then he comes back to Oman and he calls his people. And then for a long time, he doesn't come to Medina. And one day he comes back to Medina and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ma'abtaq, Ya Mazin, we're looking forward to see you. What took so long? People in Oman have it difficult. We don't ha- have it difficult. We don't have, you know, the ease and comfort. We don't have much of, you know, uh, finances. So the Prophet picks up his hands and makes three du'as for him. First, Nabi said, Allahumma ja'al uh, ardahum khasaba. Oh Allah, make their, uh, their land green for them. And oh Allah, put a lot of water for them. And oh Allah, put a lot of fish for them in the ocean. Till today in the entire Gulf, even if you go to Dubai or you go to, you know, subhanAllah, any of the countries, the best fish that you can order is the fish that comes from Oman. And, you know, I, I get up in the morning. I stayed at the Crown Plaza there, alhamdulillah, just on the on, on the shores. My students, mashallah, Allah ta'ala reward them. When I, I go out and the beautiful sea is there and you come early in the morning, you get the local Bedouins there just pulling their nets out. They throw the nets by night. In the morning, they pull out and I'm not lying, mashallah, two meters, one and a half meter fish coming out. Fresh, 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 fresh. 
Oh. And then thousands of sardines and it's just amazing. Mm. You see the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa coming to life. And then besides that, subhanallah, you go into the mountains and these gorges and many, many, subhanallah, um, palm trees. And then you get this natural water. Again, the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa provide for them ample water. And this water is azul. It's clean. It's clear. And it, it's running through caves. It's just something amazing. Mm. And it's something that w- we took on a part of ourselves. You know, we want to just discover all these beautiful wadis. And we went one after the other. And the locals themselves don't know about it. We come to the, you know, the tourist place. And it's just a small little hole with some water. And you get about two, three hundred people taking pictures there. And I said, do you know, just five kilometers or ten kilometers up there, just probably not on Google Maps, but it's something that is 20 times or 100 times better and more beautiful than this. Oh and they're like, startled, really? Does it exist? I said, yeah. And I show them and then th- th- they get excited to go. So sometimes we were just going to go and see so, some Sahabi's grave and some Tabi'i's grave. And on the way then, we just saw this beautiful, scenic you know, view of the valley. Mm. I said, let's go there. And we go halfway. And then the locals say, you can't go up there. you got a normal car. Okay. You need a 4 by 4 I said, no, I'm going to go, take pictures, and I'm going to come back and show you where we went. I love when people say you can't do it. It's a challenge. Yeah. We're yeah. going to do it, inshallah. <laughs> and we really went with the car. We like this. <laughs> like the rocks are falling. And oh, alhamdulillah, we pushed it through. You know? See, like no hesitation. It's just... Yeah, alhamdulillah. Wow. That, that's the challenge here. In, in Salala, we went and they said, Sayyidina Ayyub salam's resting place is up that mountain. So we go. Mm. Because of COVID, they put the, the, the wall and then they have the gates and the gates are closed. I'm not going to come there two hours to be told that I can't go to Sayyidina Ayyub <laughs> So we're going to scale those walls. Like, I mean, the rebels in a good way, you know. <laughs> so, all right, okay, we can't go over there. So someone told us, well, we'll go behind, go right on top the mountain and you'll come right to the window where Sayyidina Ayyub salam's grave is. So we go up there, alhamdulillah, and, you know, um, opened the window, jumped in, and alhamdulillah, <laughs> said the salam to Sayyidina Ayyub, alayhi salatu wasalam. When you're there by those anbiya, Sayyidina Hud, alayhi salatu wasalam, in Yemen. Um, in Yemen, for example, we were just driving. It was nighttime. And then we stopped at this old town for Maghrib. And there's 800-year-old homes. Most of the homes are all 800, 900-year-old. And they're made of sand, of, of, of uh, you know, they're all UNESCO protected. And the place name is Shibam. We stop there. We read Salah in the Masjid. And after that, I go to the Imam, I greet him. He's teaching Bukhari Sharif. I said, I come from Australia. He said, you're a sheikh. I said, they say I'm a sheikh, but alhamdulillah, I'm here to benefit from you. He said, no, you must also, you know, take part in the Bukhari. I said, okay, inshallah, I'll sit. I also read a few ahadith and I explained and he explained. And then I asked him, you know, the history of this Masjid. He said, this is the first Masjid that was built by a Sahabi, Ziyad bin Labid, the governor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa You know, it's just, wow. You yeah. know, like, where am I? Yeah. And then he takes me for a w- walk through the whole city and the history and the imams that were there, and the kitabs that were written and the manuscripts. And then he shows me that all these homes are connected on top. So the women folk don't have to come down. They actually visit each other on their rooftops. That's crazy. You know, this was created like that a thousand years ago. SubhanAllah. And then uh, what I realized is, subhanAllah, the way the media uh, twists our mind of so many places, um, and it just highlights what it wants to highlight. 
that uh, there's so much laughter and joy in so many places in the world, and all we hear is the negative. Allah. You know, Subhanallah, mm. that trips me out because I can see that a lot of your travel, mashallah, is like surrounded around the Sirah and the Rasul and and um, benefiting spiritually. But um, one thing that I like, I like, I was telling the boys beforehand that I had a question about was like. The, like the impact or what the Rasul should be like to us in our day-to-day lives, you know? Because a lot of the times we have like, well, the, Allah SWT has given us a hierarchy, you know? There's Allah SWT, there's the Rasul and then there's ourselves and our families, you know? And um, a lot of the times we miscue like the like the magnitude of the Rasul within our day-to-day lives. And like one of the other things I was looking at was like your dua like a good way to get your dua accepted is to add um, salawat upon the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu in your dua. And um, it, may, it tripped me out. It's like, like how, how do I not know enough about the Rasul Sallallahu You know, if, if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is telling me consistently like how important he is, why aren't I like, why aren't I like taking that as a, as like a message, you know? Why aren't, why aren't, I, why aren't I pushing more towards like the sunnah and, and, and being more like the Rasul But one thing that I wanted to ask you and get your perspective on it was like like how should the Rasul how should we like how should we like um I don't know how to describe it like interact with that that, that whole the the notion of like the Rasul within our day to day lives, you know? I don't know, it's like a very scrambled question, but I wanted yeah, to s- look the, the poet says so beautiful Muhammadun Basharun Lakal Bashari Yaqutatun Hajarun Lakal Hajari The sapphire, the gem, the emerald is also stone but very different from a normal stone Similarly Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is a man but very different from a normal man You know when I go to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and I visualize the old Medina and I sit and I'm thinking of the, the, the great personality he was and subhanallah it comes to thought that he's there and the army generals of all time from the Khulafai Rashidin coming down to the Umayyad dynasty and the Abbasid dynasty and then coming down to the Ottomans and all these massive you know subhanallah empires the generals and the marshals are walking past his grave and they take their hats off out of respect that he was the greatest army general and he showed us how to be strong on the battlefield but also he showed us how to be merciful. On the battle of Uhud, what did he say? He said, subhanallah, take my sword with its right. And they said, what is his right, Ya Rasulullah? He said to Abu Dujana that you do not hit the face of a lady no a child, no an old person. So subhanAllah, the guidance, yet the mercy. The politeness, yet the justice. The marshals and the emperors all learned from him. And they go and they say their salam and they move on. Then come the women. And the mother is there. And the daughter is there. The wife is there. And the mother looks at Rasulullah's grave and she says, Ya Rasulullah, before you came, a mother was treated like a commodity. We were locked in our homes for one year after our husbands passed away. We were at the mercy of our sons. If they wanted to, they could even sell us. You came and restored 
You came and restored our value. You gave us the rights again. You said that Jannah lies under our feet. The wife, subhanallah, on the other hand, was treated nothing like better than an animal. In the times of Hayz and Nifas, they were separated from the beds and thrown in the barns with the animals. Ya Rasulullah, you brought us back in the home. You gave us, you made us the queens of the home. The daughters come and say, Ya Rasulullah, we were being buried. Ya Rasulullah, it's because of you, Ya Rasulullah. You restored our rights. And you said a person that has three daughters, the doors of Jannah will call him. And you said, even two and even one, they will be with me like this on the day of Qiyamah. Then the women folk go. Then I see all the yatims and orphans coming in front of the Prophet And they say, Ya Rasulullah, we were not looked after. People would usurp our wealth. You on the last breathing bed, and even, subhanallah, in Hajjatul Wida, and in many, many other parts, you yourself was a yatim. You lost your father when you were still in your mother's tomb. And yet, Ya Rasulullah, you upheld you upheld the rights of the yatim. You said he who passes his hand over the yatim on the day of Qiyamah, for every fiber of hair, he will get a nurun tam, a complete light. Then the yatims go and the slaves come. Ya Rasulullah, in the Roman world at that time, we were beaten. We were hit. We were sold. We were treated. Ya Rasulullah, you told your sahaba that they must not eat before they feed us, Ya Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, you told them, even in Hajjatul Wida, to be kind to us, Ya Rasulullah. Ya Allah, when a person makes a mistake in fast, you said, free me. And when a person done a little bit mistake in Hajj, you said, free him. And subhanAllah, a person took a wrong oath, you said, free him. You gave us our liberty, Ya Rasulullah. And then they go, and then subhanAllah, what I'm trying to say is, every, every group, or every subhanAllah vestige of people that can come, they will find Uswatun Hasana, a perfect example, and how the Prophet ﷺ restored their rights, and how the Prophet ﷺ gave them so much value in their life. The Prophet ﷺ, if you understand him, and you study his seerah, and you understand his life, he is more than just a Nabi, he is a father to you. You know how a father holds a small child and guides the child? Oh, my beloved, don't do this. My beloved, do this. Nabi Karim wasallam to the smallest of things, he said, don't drink from a tumbler if it was left overnight without looking into it. Why? Because he's worried some insect must not be there to harm us. Nabi Karim wasallam taught us the smallest of things, how to eat. He taught us everything. Even how to go to the toilet. Only a parent does that with the child. So once you start understanding with what hikmah and love the Prophet taught us everything. He never only cared about our akhirah, even our dunya. Most of his sunnats are, subhanallah, most of his sunnats are beneficial to us in this world and in the year after. You start loving him so much more than you love your own father and mother. Because you realize what, to what extent he cared for us and loved us. In, the, in, in Arafah, he only mentioned his daughters a little. But subhanallah, for five hours he was crying for his ummah. Mm. On the day of Qiyamah, he asked his sahaba, do you know where I will be? He said, ya Rasulullah. He is, you know, the best of Allah's makhluqat. He's going to cut the ribbon, as we say, of Jannah. The key of Jannah is in my hands. He can go there whenever he wants immediately. But he says, subhanallah, that you will find me on the sirat, on the bridge going over, and I will be helping my ummah. I will be, if you don't find me there, I will be by the scale. When it is being weighed, 
I will be there for my ummah. And if not there, then I'm by the house. I will be giving my ummah water. He, he, he gave everything for us. And that love for the sunnah should come into our lives. And once we love the sunnah, and we love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we will want to be like him. We will want to like act like him. We will want to do everything he does. It will be our identity. We will be proud to be the followers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why I call our youngsters to study the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Study the shamail of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's no well-wisher that wished more better and good for us from amongst the human beings. Even more, I'm saying this with full confidence, more than your mother and father, than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ustaz, you recommended multiple times there to study the sirah. And like you said, inshallah, if we do study it and we have the knowledge, you can implement it to your life until you reach the stage where you want to do it out of love. The Prophet did something, so I would like to do it. How would you recommend people study the sirah? Is there like a certain book you might recommend, a lecture series, or what do you recommend? Yes, of course. Alhamdulillah, there's many lecture series out there. Alhamdulillah, that's very motivating. Um, MashaAllah, listening to these lecture series is very, very, alhamdulillah, uplifting. There's many, many shuyukh, alhamdulillah. And look, the shuyukh are like perfume. Everyone sitting in this room here, if I give uh, one perfume to all, probably some will enjoy it and some will say, you know, it's not, it's, it's not my kind of smell. Mm. That doesn't, subhanAllah, uh, overshadow the value of that perfume. It's just everyone's tastes are different. Some love musk, which is more softer. Some just love that, you know, pounding oud. Mm. So it's just different. So same thing, some, some shiuch, Allah Ta'ala has made them a little bit softer and they appease a certain audience. Mm. Some people, mashallah, are hard and a little bit more, alhamdulillah, you know, they, 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 they make their point more profound. So alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has given us in the English language an array of shiuch, mashallah, that uh, alhamdulillah discussed the seerah very beautiful. But other than that, you know, I said on seeking knowledge, coming back to seeking knowledge, because Sira comes back to seeking knowledge. What was the first word? I ask you, what was the first word that Jibreel told the Prophet? Iqra. Did he say Isma or Iqra? Isma means listen. Today we are so lazy, we don't want to do anything, we want to sit and just listen. But the first step of learning is not Isma, learn, listen. It's read. <laughs> and that's why Allah Ta'ala told Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the first step of learning is Iqra' bismi Read. So we need to also do a little bit, you know, subhanAllah, mujahada and struggle from our side. And probably it's just in the first few phases to get used to reading. Mm. Once you get hooked on it, you won't leave it. You'll actually look forward to that time where I can read seerah. And sometimes it's good to make small halaqat. See, seerah is not something that is profound, like uh, meaning um, high tech or academic, like fiqh or usul al fiqh, for example. It's just the seerah of the Prophet or the shamail. The difference between the seerah, seerah discusses Nabi Karim life from the time he was born right up till his demise. That is seerah. Shamail is his special features, his hearing, the faculty of his seeing, the what itar he, he would use, uh, his personal uh, you know, things. So to study seerah also, but to study shamail as well. Is there a book that comes to mind that you might recommend for people in English? I think yes. a lot of our audience like, yeah. or only so, in English. So the Shama'il Tirmidhi, for example, yeah. Imam Tirmidhi uh, has an entire, alhamdulillah, book on Shama'il. It's Shama'il Tirmidhi, and it's in English, mm -hmm. alhamdulillah. There's also Uswatul Rasul, which is also in English, alhamdulillah. 
and uh, you know um, there's also a kitab called Muhammad Rasulullah or Muhammad the, 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 the history of or the the, the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam by Imam Al Mubarak Puri, which is also in English. So all these kitabs, Malna Idris Kandalwi's kitab is also translated into English on the seerah of the Prophet Al Rahiq Al Maktoum is also a beautiful book to read. You know, so the sealed nectar. So Alhamdulillah, all these kitabs are there. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we probably, you know, subhanAllah, don't have the time to read it ourselves or we get lazy. So it's good, especially like on a Thursday night, it's Friday to make a little halaqa. You know, what will it cost to get five, six brothers together? We have our coffees. We sit, let's take half an hour once a week, make small halaqa and we read it. And, and, and not just read it, but discuss it. So Alhamdulillah, we discuss today, you know what we're going to do? The coming Thursday, we're going to talk about the seal that was on the back of the Prophet wasallam. You do your homework, I do my homework, I'll do my homework, and we all use different kitabs. And let's see who can add a point that another person never have. <laughs> and do some research. And mashallah, you listening to Sheikh Yasir Qazi, you listening to Sheikh Anwar Al-Awlaki, you listening to Sheikh Mufti Mank, and everyone brings some point there. And mashallah, we share it. Mm. And you bring a point, you bring a point. I read this here, I read this here, we researched this, alhamdulillah. Mm. But have your point of contact with a credible sheikh. So if you fall into something which you don't understand, then you can always, alhamdulillah, check back with the sheikh. That we in a bit of confusion here, probably you can clear it up. And in this, you'll enjoy it. It will be a halaqa of happiness. How many times the boys get together? The brotherhood, you know, comes together. We're talking fishing, we're talking sport, we're talking this, we're talking that. If we have this halaqa once a week, talk to the Prophet wasallam and see how the engulfments will come through our lives. مَا إِنْ مَدَحْتُ مُحَمَّدًا بِمَقَالَتِي وَلَكِنْ مَدَحْتُ مَقَالَتِي بِمُحَمَّدِي Never did I take the name of the Prophet wasallam in any of my majlis. Or I take the Prophet wasallam's name in my home. Or I praise the Prophet wasallam in my speech in order for me to throw praises on him. Rather, by taking his name, I, subhanAllah, uh, enhance my speech. By, by, by taking his name, I bring beauty in my home. By taking his name, I made my majlis so beautiful. Um, I also wanted to go into a little bit about, I think the brothers were talking about it beforehand. Like, they always say, like people, you, you go on to discuss about tarawih or you go on to discuss about like sunnah prayers and someone will just give you the response, oh, it's just sunnah. Like, like, can you just give us like a little bit of like, I think I think you've pretty much answered majority of that question anyway, but like we just wanted to know like if you were to talk to somebody who had said a statement like that, how would you approach that statement? Mm. See, before I answer your question about how I will, you know, subhanAllah, deal with it, um, th- there's two things here. One is how to deal with that person in specific. But one is the broader answer. Yeah. The broader answer is, again, when the love of Rasulullah wasallam is not there, then obviously, subhanAllah, such statements will come. It's just a sunnah. Yeah. A person told a great sheikh, it's just a sunnah. He said something amazing. He said, what you're saying is true, but the tone is kufr. Because by you saying it's just a sunnah, what are you trying to imply? It's not important. And every sunnah of the Prophet is so important. By you saying the sunnah is not important, that is actually kufr. 
So subhanallah, the tone is kufr. Although the statement is true. It's just a sunnah. It's true. But the tone is kufr. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu there was no classification of sunnah mu'akkada, sunnah ghair mu'akkada, mustahab. There was not, nothing of that sort. In actual fact, subhanallah, just the Prophet sallallahu desire became an overwhelming command for a sahabi. The Prophet sallallahu came on the battle of Khandaq. And he drew an imaginary line, just an imaginary line. Yeah? And he said, you know what, this is a line uh, you guys stay here and you guys stay here. It was just for organizational, structural purpose. It never mean anything more than that. But they took it so serious to their heart and mind that subhanAllah, when there was a rock on the other side that needed breaking, they asked their brothers for help. They said, the Prophet put a line here and asked us to stay here and you there. Without his permission, we can't cross. <laughs> and without his permission, they would not go and touch that. So, you know, Umar who comes to the Prophet, he said, I'm not going to be a munafiq. I'll tell you straight on hand. Ya Rasulullah, I love Allah, then I love myself, and then I love you. The Prophet said, then your iman is not complete, O Muhammad. So he says, okay, for my iman to be completed, you need to be priority after Allah before myself. He said, yes. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sugarcoating it. That's how it is. So Umar anhu said, okay, I have to you know, rearrange things in my mind. I have to reboot my computer. So he switches off, he thinks about it, he comes back. He said, Ya Rasulullah, now I have put and arranged my priorities differently. It's Allah, it's you, and then it's me. What did the Prophet say? Al-an, ya Umar. Your iman has only perfected now, Umar. So the Prophet Wasallam's command, the, 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 the fuqaha later has categorized it in sunnah, or wajib, or makru, or that, for just the understanding of the layman and the masses. But for a lover, an ardent lover of the Prophet ﷺ, let alone he doesn't even have to leave his lips, just his desire is more than for us to go because he has priority over me, over my business, over my wife, over my children, over everything. For if it was not for the Prophet ﷺ, I would have never known about Iman. And if I never know about Iman, I would have never gone to Jannah. Umar radiallahu anhu, Nabi saw in a dream that he was in the Jannah of Umar and he was enjoying and a lady came and he dropped his eyes and said, oh Umar, I remembered your ghayrah, I would not look at your damsel. What Umar said? Ya Rasulullah, see what you want, enjoy what you want. Did we not get all this Jannah except because of you? <laughs> all this came to us because of you, Ya Rasulullah. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is outside the masjid. Outside the masjid. And Nabi Karim sallallahu is inside the masjid. He's talking to the people around him and he says, Ijlisu, sit. It heard, came to the ears of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu instantly sat in the puddle of water that was outside. Someone said, the Prophet is not talking to you. The Prophet is talking to those who are in the masjid. Why are you sitting outside in the puddle? <laughs> he said, I heard the Prophet say, sit. I immediately sat. Now I will think whether he was talking to me, he wasn't talking to me, did he mean me, he never mean me. But my obedience to the Prophet demands that when I heard something from him, I must comply. Oh. Follow Allah and his Rasul sallallahu What the Prophet brought to you, take it and embrace it. When the Prophet sallallahu was a little baby and he was given to Halima Sa'adiyah radiallahu anha, what did she say? 
she said that this child, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was given to so many women. Fakunna na'bahu because he was forlorn, he was a yatim. There was no money involved. We kept on rebuffing him. No one wanted him. But she said, the minute I picked him up, nay, not my day, not my month, not my year, my destiny changed. Today the Prophet is not here, but his sunnah is with us. If we take his sunnah, uh, no one wants it. No one wants to dress sunnah way. No one wants to eat sunnah way. It's rebuffed like how those women rebuffed the Prophet. If there's anyone to be a halima today, pick up his sunnah and embrace it. I promise you, by the qasam of Allah, your destiny will change. Allah will give you such sweetness in this world and the year after. Imam Malik, rahmatullah alayhi, he would write on his door, Udkhulu al-jannata bi salamin aminin enta jannah with peace. Someone said this will be written and inscribed on the doors of jannah. Why are you writing it on your door home? He said, I've brought every sunnah of the Prophet in my home. My home has become jannah. Wow. Right? So subhanallah, my beloveds, if we understand what is the sunnah and the love for sunnah, we will go out of our way to, what Nabi Sassam said, if you know what is the thawab in the first stuff, you'll fight to be there. If you All these things, you know. So um, it comes back to the lack of love. It comes back to, we don't know who's the prophet. And that's why these seerah programs, these halaqat, and when there's, mashallah, lectures on the prophet, sallallahu seerah, to, inshallah ta'ala, Come, listen, read. And when that love of Rasulullah sallallahu comes into us, I ask you, and I'm, I'm concluding on, on this point here. You, you love a girl. You like a girl, right? And you try everything. You try to walk on your, your toes to try to make her happy, what I'll say. You open the door for her. You buy for her roses. You buy for her ring. She just, you know, subhanallah, you know, gives the, the slightest indication she wants something, you jump for it. Why? Because you want to impress her. So if she WhatsApps you, do you ever say, tomorrow, in the next day, she says, I WhatsApped you last night, you never answer me? So you never call, it was just a WhatsApp. You say that. She'll leave you, she'll say, what's <laughs> this guy here? <laughs> just a WhatsApp. Mm. Okay, the WhatsApp is not as important as a call, but it's important. So subhanAllah, you can't say, it's just a sunnah, it's not a uh, fart. Mm. <laughs> so well, one thing that I've learned from what you're saying is there's an importance or there's like an emphasis on سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا You know, it's that statement like in general within our deen. I think a lot of the times nowadays and this is only me so sorry, do you have anything to add to that? No. Okay. <laughs> but um, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of this generation now they throw out a lot of these questions and it's, it's not good sorry, it's, it's not bad that we have questions and, and so on but a lot of the times, yeah, like why, like we, we need reasoning, or we need like we need we need reasons to believe, or we need reasons to disbelieve, or we need reasons to understand why we need to stay away from things, or why we need to do things. And a lot of the times, we lose that essence of samirna wa atana within our lives, you know. And um, I think I was listening to a lecture recently, and and the sheikh was going on about why isn't it enough that Allah or the Rasul had said something. And um, like I wanted to get like what your opinion is for people, or like what you think the core or the root problem would be in that situation. It could be lack of knowledge or something like that. Look, shaitan. Mm. You know shaitan. So all our bodies, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Inshallah, Allah Taala take us away from him because yeah. Allah says, "No, adu lakum is your enemies." C- carries on like your body, your mate, but Subhanallah, he is definitely our enemy. Shaitan. He was like thousands of years. His name was Azazil, right? 
and he was of thousands of years with the angels. He mixed so much with an angel that even Allah Ta'ala just would say angel and mean him too. But he was an abid. What is an abid? He was a great worshipper. Thousands of rak'ah. There are some narrations that the entire surface of the earth he made such down. Right? So a lot of ibadah, mashallah. And he was an alim. <laughs> no one gets better than shaitan when it comes to ilm. He was very educated. Right? And he knew a lot of things. And he would actually lecture the malaika. But he lacked the third. And that is ashiq, Which means love. The feeling. The love. The connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was done as more of an exercise. It was done without feeling. And that's why, subhanallah, when Allah Ta'ala told him to make sajda to Sayyidina Adam, out of respect, immediately it was questioning. Why you allow him to be better than me when I'm made from fire and he's made, he used his reasoning. You know, there was, subhanallah, Mahmud, and Ayaz. Mahmud was the king. And Ayaz was the subordinate. And the king Mahmud had many, many subordinates. And they all came to Mahmud. But Mahmud really loved Ayaz. So one day, subhanallah, they became jealous of Ayaz. That why is the king loving Ayaz so much? So the king realized this. So the king put a test in front of everyone to display to them why he loves Ayaz so much. So he says, okay, here's a gem. And I want you to break it. It was a very expensive one. The first person came, he takes the hammer, but when he looks at that hammer, it's like, you know, you, you bring a, a brand new S-class outside and I say, break the windows. Smash the, you know, the headlights. But Sheikh, this thing is like half a million dollars, you know. It's $300,000. How do you expect me to break it? So subhanAllah, the first one, he had hesitancy. The second one said no. The third one, subhanAllah, walked back. Fourth one was reluctant. And when Ayaz was given the hammer, without asking a single question, he smashed it. And when the king said, why did you smash it, Ayaz? You know the value of it. Why did you smash it? He said, it was very expensive. I agree. But your command is more expensive. Your command to me, to break your command, I could have never done that. I'd rather smash anything in my life, but not your command. So coming back, subhanAllah, it comes and it generates Shaitan never have love. Shaitan never have ishq. A person came to a great sheikh and said, I want to learn the love of Allah. But the man is hard-hearted. He said, listen, you need to look after a cow. He said, what that got to do with, you know, <laughs> subhanallah, coming close to Allah Ta'ala? He said, look after the cow. The man said, wow, it stings. He said, just look after the cow. So he took care of the cow. He looked after the cow. He reared the cow. Now he's bathing the cow, feeding the cow. After one year, he got attached to the cow. And then the sheikh said, now you need to slaughter the cow. He said, no, no, that's something I can't do. He said, now you're ready to tread the love or the, 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 the pathway to love. Today, we're so hard-hearted. And hard-heartedness comes with sin. Hard-heartedness comes with negligence of the akhirah. You see? So, subhanAllah, that's why Nabi Karim said, these hearts, they corrode. You need to soften it. How do we soften it? Tilawat of the Quran and thinking of death. Every day we need to think about death. That today I can pass away. Today my janazah can leave my home. Today people can be praying on me. Go to the graveyard often. See those graves. That softens the heart. Be with pious people. See? 
and reading the Quran, this softens the heart. When the heart is soft, alhamdulillah, then alhamdulillah, it's like that beautiful oyster that's open. One drop and it becomes a pearl. But when it's a rock, it's hard, then you can throw the Prophet ﷺ in Makkah, directly fresh from Jibrail in Ramadan. He's trying to tell Abu Jahl something, but he can't understand. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You speaking about how much we should be loving the Sunnah has gotten us in the Ramadan fields and some Ramadan. Yeah, Subhanallah. Now I wanted to touch on now. It's maybe this Inshallah will come out like a week before Ramadan, and Inshallah, a lot of people have the intention to do as much as they can in Ramadan, which is beautiful. But a lot of times we have the habit of doing too much, and then on day ten we we drop off and we go back to zero. What we're doing now. So I wanted to maybe talk to you about how we can build up to Ramadan. And maybe how we can stay consistent throughout the month. What are some things you can advise us on? Yeah, amazing. The Sahaba, because they are our aspiration, right? We they inspire us. So Subhanallah, he said about the Sahaba that five months after Ramadan, they would cry and beg Allah Taala to accept the past Ramadan, and the next six months they would Subhanallah act in preparation for the new Ramadan. <laughs> so it's never a stop. Why as human beings? And Muslimin, we have to actually remind ourselves that Ramadan is coming. It's because after Ramadan, we say, okay, we're taking a long holiday for 10 months. And then Ramadan, we'll see you again when you come. That's why someone said so beautiful, live your entire life like Ramadan. So the day you pass away is your Eid. <laughs> live yeah. your entire life like Ramadan. So the day you pass away is your Eid. So in the end of the day, subhanAllah, look, uh, someone asked one, I think it was Hassan al-Basri, that which month is most superior, Rajab or Sha'ban? So he said something amazing. He said, لا تكونوا رجبيا ولا شعبانيا ولا رمضانيا كونوا ربانيا Don't be a Rajabi or a Sha'bani or a Ramadani. Be a Rabbani. Allah is with you all the time. Someone asked Ibn Mubarak, Oh Ibn Mubarak, if I told you that today is your last day in the world, what would you do? He said, nothing different from the day before because every day I feel it's my last day. So this is the stage we want to get to, inshallah. But very relevant what you're saying, we are human beings, we are weak, we have to talk of reality. We do slack down. Now Ramadan come, Allah give us that beautiful, amazing opportunity. Mm. I was just reading earlier on this morning, that uh, Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam said so beautiful things about Ramadan, and Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam said about Ramadan that within Ramadan, one tasbih of Allah Taala is high graded to more than one thousand tasbih out of Ramadan, right? And the Allah Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the earth and the skies want to scream in Ramadan, but Allah tells them keep quiet. But if they could scream, they would scream that those who are fasting. And at night they pray, Jannah is wajib for you. Jannah is wajib for you. That's what the earth and the skies want to scream to me and you. Jannah is wajib for you. Jannah is wajib for you. So such a beautiful month where the shayateen are locked. Such a beautiful month where Jannah is decorated. Such a beautiful month where, you know, subhanallah, Jahannam is locked. Uh, it's a month of rahmah. It's a month of mercy. Now see, amazing thing, Sheikh. The, the, the hadith mentions that the first 10 days of Ramadan is the um, days of Rahmah and mercy. right? The second 10 days is the days of forgiveness. And the third 10 days is the day of emancipation of the fire. 
So the first ten days rahma mercy, second days of forgiveness, and third day, third ten days is uh, the one of emancipation from the fire. So the shiuch and the ulama explain this to say there are three grades of people. One grade of of people are those that they are acting and following the Sharia and the Deen and picking up their recitation of the Quran and making the dhikr and doing whatever they're supposed to, salah and things like that on time from before Ramadan. So when they walk in Ramadan, they're already ready to fill their baskets with the Rahmat of Allah, the first 10 days. Then you get people that are mediocre. They do some good, but then they fall short, they're negligent. Ramadan comes and wakes them up quickly. They the first ten days gets them into the vibe of reading Tarawih and they start reading. They are ready by the second ten days they start reaping the fruits of forgiveness. And then there are people that are absolutely negligent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't do much, they don't even read proper, you know, their salats on time and things like that. But Ramadan wakes them up and slowly they start you know, subhanAllah, creeping into the masjid that lasts 27, 28 for the du'as. They also freed from the fire of Jahannam. So that shows that we should prepare for Ramadan from before. And as you know, you're coming to a hill, subhanAllah, you don't come right up to the hill and then decide what gear to put it in. You start getting your gears ready and your pedals ready and the right speed to pick up onto that hill. So similarly, Ramadan is coming, subhanAllah, from months before, especially our Quran and Kareem. If we start reading, we reading a page, start to put it to two pages, three pages. So when Ramadan comes, we are already in that cycle. The movement is there. If you're going to get up on Ramadan morning, okay, now it's Ramadan, now what should I do? Let's get the Quran out. It's not going to work. It's going to take too long. It's pretty much, wallahi, I say Ramadan, it's pretty much like exercise. You know, if you don't exercise for a while and then all of a sudden you want to exercise, that's where the eggs come. Yeah. <laughs> but mashallah, like, you know, you guys go to gym, mashallah. Guys, look toned. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, Sheikh, I wanted to, I wanted to also touch on because Ramadan, like you said before, we should learn the Sirah. A lot of times in Ramadan or entering, we might like think, okay, I want to go Taraweh every night. I want to read Quran. I want to learn the Sirah, and I want to do memorization. And there's like a hundred things you want to do. There's a lot of different psychologies people have with like goal setting. It's either like pick two or three and just focus on that and ignore the rest. Like less is more. Or some people say aim for ten. And if you fall short and get six, six is better than three. What type of psychology do you think we should have? Should we try to like focus on small and consistent? Should we try to do as much as we can because of the rewards? Uh, it's important that we don't tire ourselves. Because if you tire yourselves too quickly, then you're not consistent. And Nabi Sassam said the best is that which is in smaller amounts but consistent. I would say, you know, from everything, choose a little bit and then give it, give it some time. So for example, obviously the month of Ramadan, see what is the highlight of the month of Ramadan. The highlight of the month of Ramadan is Shahrul Quran. It's the month of Quran. So Alhamdulillah, uh, set yourself aside to read quran Karim every day. It's easy to read after Fajr. Because Alhamdulillah, you just get up for Suhoor, you make your Fajr Salah, set aside maybe half an hour. Alhamdulillah, also before Iftar at that time, it's nice time to read Quran. Also, after Taraweeh, it's nice time to read Quran. So in that way, if, for example, an hour or two hours you set aside, you can read ample Quran, alhamdulillah. That's number one. Another goal setting, inshallah, is dua. Because Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, for every person that is fasting, he has an accepted dua. So alhamdulillah, you've got every day, you've got an accepted dua. 
And we just fast and we don't make that dua. It's just to be wasting it away. It's like you got all free tickets but you don't use it. So subhanallah, that specific dua should be used. And the best time is before the time of iftar. So alhamdulillah, that 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes before iftar, another goal setting, inshallah, I want to sit on my musallah and make dua. Sometimes the kids are with us, we make dua as a family, alhamdulillah. Sometimes the masjid, the imam is making dua, I'm there. So that's two. Number three is the month of Ramadan is the month of generosity. So set yourself that every day of Ramadan, I want to give some sadaqah. If I can give $10 a day, well and good, alhamdulillah. And I know people, some of my students also, I see the account. Every day in Ramadan, they put $20 or $30 in. They can give that as a, an entire amount in the end of Ramadan or before Ramadan, but because they want that specific reward every day, they scatter that amount mm. over 30 days, and every day they take out the time to give that towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah, that is something. So sadaqah, a set goal there, reciting the Quran and Kareem, and alhamdulillah, dua is there. And also, it's a very beautiful time to catch up our qadha salah. Many salats of us has missed. So we try to read our qadha salah, get up for tahajjud salah, read some of our qadha salah. It's something that we can catch up with, alhamdulillah. Other than that, seeking knowledge, you have the entire year there, mashallah. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we should not. So, alhamdulillah, set half an hour or an hour within there. So I would say little of everything. Don't, you know, that the best dish is you have a little saffron, you have a little spice. It's all, mashallah, comes together and then it gives that beautiful taste. Mm -hmm. You're going to put too much of anything, then it's going to imbalance. Mm -hmm. So alhamdulillah, little of everything, it keeps you also, you know, on the joy and... Um, Inshallah ta'ala, it can be more consistent. Yeah. Could you touch on that with making up missed prayers? Because sometimes people don't, like we, you're, we're coming to you for now for the fiqh of it, but mm. it's like, for example, I started praying consistently maybe like 17, 18, yeah. but then you reach the age at 13, 14, and mm. I didn't really pray five salats a day. Am I supposed to make those up? Do I just let them go? Look, a person came to the Prophet sallallahu and he said that someone passed away and they never paid their zakat for so many years. Should we, is like, is it okay now? It's just gone that they never pay it. Or, but should we pay it? And what did the Prophet Wasallam say? The Prophet Wasallam said uh, something amazing. He said that if you had a debt to a person, wouldn't you pay it? He said, yes, we, of course we will pay it. He said, then this debt is to Allah. Why are you not paying it? So what we owe to Allah, we owe to Allah. There might be some ikhtilaf among some fuqaha, but the stance of most of the fuqaha is that if you miss a prayer, you need to catch it up. You know, you owe that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was one day sleeping. And uh, he told Bilal, you stay awake and you awake us subhanallah, you know, uh, for Fajr. And Bilal radiallahu anhu, you know, I mean, there was no subhanallah coffee like how we're having today. <laughs> Can I have a coffee and stay up mm -hmm. the night? I mean, human subhanallah need came and he slept. Mm -hmm. And it was the brightness of the sun on the face of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that awoke him. So what did he say? Did he say, okay, we missed it now, we couldn't help it, and just let's move on? No, we have to make the qada. Mm. So the Prophet said, this is a place of shaitan, he has made us sleep, and made us negligent, let's move away from here. Mm. So he moved several kilometers away from there, and then he made the qada of that salah. So we owe qada for those that are missed for their prey. Mm. So alhamdulillah, I mean, a lot of people think they can pay their way through. So a lot of people phone, Sheikh, I never, you know, fast all those months and I never pray those months. Can I just pay myself through? You can only pay if you are uh, inevitable, you are inevitable, disabled. 
you cannot pray or you cannot fast, then the fidya kicks in. But so long as you have, alhamdulillah, the ability to pray it yourself, you have the ability to go for hajj, you have the ability to give the zakat uh, of the past years, then you need to do that. The fidya cannot be, you know, subhanallah, the expiation. Should we also like, because sometimes we're not going to know exact, we can only guess. So is should when we do guess, for example, I missed a hundred fajr, should I add more just in case? Or bismillah, a hundred, that's my yeah. number. So you, you, you're going to just take an approximate of so many years, I never pray and try to finish that. And the niyyah is always, I'm praying the first salah of fajr that I've missed in my life. Okay. Because naturally when you pray the first one, then the second one then moves up to be the first. Mm. So in that way, always your intention is, I'm praying the first fajr, the first duhr, the first asr, the first maghrib, or first isha that I've missed in my life. And you just continue like that. I want to know how would you track it? Like for example, now I want to make up my hundred. Should I get a notepad to do it? You know what I mean? If not, Look, I'm going to get if confused. If be serious for the akhirah, remember mm. what the Prophet said. On the day of Qiyamah, none of you will move from his place. Until he gives hisab on certain things. The first thing that you will be questioned on the day of Qiyamah is your salah. And if you, alhamdulillah, can tick that, everything else will go smooth. Mm. But if your salah is messed up, and uh, that is why Nabi Karim also said, make a lot of nafal. Like we're talking about. Amazingly, subhanallah, why we make nafal pray? Why? Because, uh, you know, you came from Faulkner now here, and you're going to go back, or... Uh, probably you're going to go to Sydney. I'm, I'll ask you a question. You're going to go to Sydney. Uh, would you take a spare tire in your car or not? Yeah. No. Oh, a spare tire. If I'm driving, yeah. 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 I think I'm probably flying. That's why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to Sydney in a couple of weeks. That's why. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking. Uh, no, probably you're driving a Mercedes Benz, so you don't have to have one. It's that 80 <laughs> kilometers. <laughs> would you take a spare tire if you're driving? Of course. Of course. Why? If something happens, at least, alhamdulillah, you have that spare tire. Mm. So who does just makes fard with no sunnah? Because the Prophet said on the day of Qiyamah that Sunnah and then Nifl will be your spare tires. All the mistakes that you made in your first prayer will be repaired with your Sunnah and Nifl prayer. Mm. You see? Amazing. Mm. And how many raka'ah we, we, we read of Fard and Wajib in a day? 20? So let's count. Yeah. Let's count. No, in a day, Fard. Okay. So two raka'ahs Fajr, mm. right? Four raka'ahs Dhuhr is how much is that? Six. Six, yeah. Plus four rakats asr, ten. ten. Plus three rakats of maghrib, 13. plus four rakats of isha, seventeen. Plus three rakats wajib witr, twenty. Twenty So in Ramadan, we're making those twenty rakats of fard prayer and wajib prayer every day, but it can go a little bit skew. It can have some defect. That's why there's twenty rakats of voluntary tarawih prayer mm. in the evenings. So if we falter. It's just spare tires. You see? So Alhamdulillah, in the end of the day, you know, um, if this is going to be the first question that is going to be asked on the day of Qiyamah about Salah, it's something, you know, you have to be really serious about. Mm. So today you get Excel sheets. I saw some brothers, on Alhamdulillah, they have an Excel sheet and, they, uh, and you know, there's so many apps mm. that we can download. If you old style and you want to have the book and the pen, then get a planner. There's so many calendars that you can just mark off. Mm. Whatever works out for you. But in the end of the day, the main thing is, Alhamdulillah, let's start getting salats off us. And inshallah ta'ala. Someone said, there's ikhtilaf, some ulama said, I said, brother, if you read it, even if, okay, Allah said you don't want the qada, but you read it, it will just elevate your stages much more higher. But if you never leave it, 
It's like, for example, we're going and some people said, Mufti, you need a PCR test to go out of the country. Some says, no, they say you don't need it. Will I do it or not? I'd rather be safe. Mm. If they don't ask for it, no worries, it may help me in another country. But, subhanAllah, if they need it, I don't want to be stuck at the airport. Mm. So rather, I'm safe. Let's treat the Akhirah as real, bro. You know, the problem is we're taking all this fiqh and this sheikh and that fatwa and that fatwa. But our akhirah is real. We're going to go into that grave. We're going to answer for, to, to, for our actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'm not going to take it lightly. Like how when I want to travel and I make sure all my papers are in, in line, I want all my salahs in line. I want all my fasting in line. Because I really want that jannah. I don't want to go even yeah. for one day in jannah, inshallah. Inshallah. I feel like, sorry bro. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the thing is like, we 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 um we lack taqwa, you know, we lack a fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and consciousness of Him in our day to day lives. And sometimes when we get like neglectful in those situations, um, we just allow, like you said, Shaitan to come in, and then also like you allow all your day to day activities to overtake it. I wanted to ask you about like, just how do we increase taqwa? You know, like as as a believer, we obviously it's paramount for everything that we do. So how would you suggest or have recommendations on how to increase taqwa? Firstly, the main thing of increasing taqwa is to be in the right company. I say that over and over again. The environment is very conducive. If Nabi Sallallahu said, al-rajulu ala dini khalili. A person, al-mar'u ala dini khalili. A person is on the religion of his friend. The, the company you keep, that's going to rub off. Alhamdulillah, if we remind one another, you know, we're there, alhamdulillah, uh, we're in good company. Naturally, alhamdulillah, that awareness will be there. When that person killed 99 people, the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, t- the Nabi uh, the said that the prophet or the, the pious person or whoever it was told him, change your environment. And he was just walking towards good company and he passed away and he got jannah. Mm. So subhanallah, the environment. If Why as men we need to read our salats in jamaat and not individually? Because when we are individual, shaitan is going to come to us. He's going to delay our salah. But when we in jama'ah, see how easy it is. Alhamdulillah. The days you read your salah with jama'ah, you go home, alhamdulillah, you can sleep. I read my salah. And the days you don't read your salah, it keeps dragging. It's 11 o'clock, I have to read my salah. <laughs> I have to make my wudu. <laughs> and then you get disturbed. And then the phone is ringing. So subhanallah, jama'ah is there to create that environment. So good company is essential. There's two things also, muraqaba and muhasaba. Right? If you don't think of things and put that effort, today we are so busy. Our mind is like a thousand things going, especially with what's happening around us and our social media and our WhatsApp and our phones and our. So, subhanAllah, we have to take out time to actively sit and think about our akhirah. And uh, that is called muraqaba and muhasaba. What's the difference? Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said, Hasibu qabla an tuhasabu. Take count of yourself before account will be taken of you. So you sit and you lightly close your eyes. Closing the eyes is not any act of worship, but closing the eyes gives you more focus. And you try to think, today, what good did I do? And alhamdulillah, who from amongst us, I ask you a question, who from amongst us will run a shop for a year and don't take account whether we're running loss or we are mm. running profit? We all, actually every day we check our FPOS, we print out the receipt, we see how much profit we made, isn't it? Mm. Uh, every item that we are selling, we don't want to make a loss. We, we, we're marking it up. So same thing, how can a day go 
without me not increasing my good and not decreasing my evil. And a believer that days are passing, right? Days are passing. I think it was Ibn Mas'ud that said this, or I mean, could be corrected. He said, a day that passed and my, inc- my good does not increase and my evil does not decrease, I cut it off my calendar. It's not worth to call that day part of my life. So subhanallah, the thing is to make muhasaba, to sit for about five minutes and ten minutes and think, today what good did I do? From the morning, alhamdulillah, I got up for my fajr. Alhamdulillah, I read my surah Yasin. After that, alhamdulillah, I went out, I waved to my neighbor. I gave some bird food to my birds. Alhamdulillah, I came. Everyone will think of the good day done. I made my Jum'ah prayer. I met my Muslimin with a smiling face, alhamdulillah. I put my $50 in the box for the masjid, alhamdulillah. All these things... Check, check, check. La hawla wa la illa billah. I attribute all this tawfiq to Allah. Ya Allah, I make shukr unto you for giving me the inspiration to do this. Allah gets so happy that you're praising Him. Tomorrow, He's going to inspire you more to do more good actions. And then, you think, all the evil I've done today. Ah man, I, I spoke a little bit bad about that person. I should not have. I was walking out and I just had a bad thought about that person there. Uh, probably, you know, I said a lie to my kid. He asked me something and I just to shush him, I said a lie. That's wrong. Uh, you know, these few things, okay, it's wrong. I take ownership of it. I acknowledge it. I ask Allah to forgive me. Oh Allah, please. Allah loves so much, that so much. Tomorrow, inshallah, he will inspire you to stay away from more sin. This is muhasaba. It's active. Every day we need to do that. When you do that, you'll be conscious. I mustn't do something. What Umar said to the Sahabi when he asked what is taqwa? He said it's like a man treading among thorns with a very beautiful silken cloth. How mm. careful you're going to be that you pull up your cloth. You don't want it to catch on a thorn. That is how there's all fitnas around you and your silken cloth is your iman. You see? And the second thing is muraqaba. Muraqaba is that every day, subhanallah, we have to think actively about death and the akhirah. So you sit and you close your eyes. Ya Allah, you know what? Right now, Malikul Mot is coming to me. He's taking my ruh out of my body. It's leaving. I can see the realm of the Akhirah. Subhanallah, the angels are coming. They're taking my body. They're taking the ghusl pala. They are washing it. The janazah car is here in my driveway. They're picking up my janazah. My children are crying for me. I'm going through the door never to return. There, my Mercedes Benz, bye. Subhanallah, I go to the graveyard. They're lowering me down. They're throwing dirt on me. Subhanallah, I'm alone. Then Munkar and Nakir comes. Subhanallah, they're asking me the questions. I'm going to be there in that grave forever. Qiyamah is coming. There I can hear the sur being blown. I'm coming up. Subhanallah, there I come. All these things, you try to visualize it. I promise you, you do these things. Muraqaba and Muhasaba. Actively every day. Take 5-10 minutes. Your day will be very different from the day before. Is there a specific time of the day? Do you think morning? Normally before you sleep. Okay, before before you sleep sleep is very effective. Mm. You sleep on your bed just before you sleep. This is one of the last things you do. Today, Subhanallah, people are playing games and they sleep, Mm. and then they see weird dreams, you know. So, (laughs) or they seeing a movie before they're sleeping. So, to be Subhanallah realistic, Alhamdulillah, read your Surah Mulk because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that in your grave there's darkness, there's darkness. And when you're in your grave and you are alone, subhanAllah, obviously you want light. Surah Mulk will take the form of a friend and be with you in your grave. So you read your Surah Mulk and the last thing you do is you think about the muraqaba and muhasaba as I explained to you. Wallah, it works wonders and it is from the Sahaba. Mm. 
and that inculcates taqwa. You think about death. You worried. You worried about your akhirah the next day. What is taqwa? Taqwa means to be careful in what you do. You don't want to. It's not that Allah Taala is a monster is going to eat you up. Allah Taala is forgiving. Allah Taala is merciful. But He wants you to make a change. You have to be the the start of the change. He doesn't see He comes to you first. He says you have to first come to me, a hand span. Then I'll come to you in arms length. You come to me in arms length, then I come to you cubit. You come to me walking. I come to you running. You come to me running. I'll take you and put you in my lap. I'll cuddle you and hug you. But you have to make the first step. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, when Zulaikha came to him, right? Zulaikha came to him. And she wanted to seduce him, right? He could have sat there. She was beautiful. He could have said, I, you know what? She locked all the doors. There's no way out of for me. I'm going to just close my eyes and you know, she can do whatever she wants to. But he realized that, you know what? I have to make the first move. I don't care if the doors are locked or not. I have to make the first move. So he got up from there. He turned away. He said no and he went to the door. Ya Allah, that's as much as I can do. After that, Allah opened all the locks one after the other. And she caught him at the 12th door and she made a slander against him. But Allah cleared his name with a child sitting there. You see, But he had to make the first move. If he sat on that bed, nothing would have happened. Similarly, Allah Ta'ala, when Maryam was giving birth to Sayyidina Isa والسلام, Allah Ta'ala subhanAllah provided for her. There was no food there. He took out a palm date for her. He made juicy days come towards her. There was no water. Allah brought water for her. But then, that was not in her control. Allah done it. Within her control was to take the dates and water, put it in her mouth. Allah said, we'll stop here. Now you take the dates and water and put it in your mouth. So what you can do in your ikhtiyar, your choice, you have to do. Thereafter, then Allah picks it up. I go to Coles, the doors are closed. I can't say, I'm going to sit outside, I'm not going to buy milk. My wife is going to ring my ears. I sent you there for the milk. Bring the milk. I have to go to the door once. I come to the door. That glass door automated will open and I can get in. Yeah. Sitting outside there, nothing is going to happen. You have to walk into the mosque. You have to make the prayer. Then see what Allah Ta'ala does. There was a man sitting in the masjid and he's praying and praying and praying. His friend is outside. Opens the window. Bro, what's holding you in there? He said the same force that's holding you out there. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting phenomenon because a lot of people in in this in the world of business and stuff like that, when a lot of young people are trying to find uh, their profession, it goes on the same thing where sometimes people try to find their passion, Hmm. but they say you can't find your passion sitting at home. You have to go out there, try a new skill, even if you think you might not like it, and then eventually you might end up enjoying it. It's like your brother here who's doing editing. He might have never thought he likes editing. He does it. After one week, two weeks, three weeks, he actually gets good at it. And then he's like, actually really enjoy this. And it becomes something you actually like to do. And that's where you're saying like now here in the deen, it's the same kind of thing where you have to go and take the first step. Definitely. You know, I think there's an A in the Quran, Allah will not change the situation of the believers until they change themselves. And so that thing. And is I think exactly as an ummah, we just like lethargic sitting there that Allah is going to do a lot for us. Mm. You know, our sheikhs need to do a lot for us. Our imams need to do a lot of things. It's as if like, it's the... The total responsibility of our Jannah is on our Imams and our Shaykh mm. and upon our Mu'allimin and our parents. My parents need to get me in Jannah. No, <laughs> once you are of the age of puberty, you're an adult. Mm. And this decisions you make is yours. And you have to have the ownership of it. And you, 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 know, you know being that is deserving of special treatment. Um, in the end of the day, Allah Ta'ala says, عَلَيْكَ أَنْ أَسْلَمُ They try to show favor that they are doing good actions. Allah shows favor on you that in the first place he gave you hidayat. He created you as insan. And after that he made you a Muslim. And then he gave you hidayat. And he made you from the 
the, the, the Ummah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So be thankful and appreciative of that. And work off that now. You've got such a beautiful platform. Mm-hmm. Create something for yourself. It's like a father, he leaves an entire empire for his kid and says, now you're set, bro. You're set. It's just for you to take it further now. What yeah. more you want? You know what I'm saying? So Allah Ta'ala has set the ball for us. Alhamdulillah, being in the West, but Allah Ta'ala has given us masajid. Mm-hmm. He's given us, Alhamdulillah, shiyukh that can answer our questions. But this is all facilitation. No sheikh is going to take you to Jannah. Mm-hmm. Your parents can't get you into Jannah. Right? Ibrahim Salam's father was an idol creator. But Ibrahim became the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have your path. You have to work for your own path. You have to do that effort, inshaAllah ta'ala. What did the Prophet say to Fatima radiallahu anha? He said, don't think I'm your father, I'm your Nabi and Muhammad Rasulullah. By just value of that, you're going to go to Jannah. Or Fatima, on the day of Qiyamah, you will have to answer for yourself. And I will have to answer for myself. I think I wanted to ask about, um, like you were saying from before, like in between all that, like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us that hidayah. And um, a lot of the times what we do wrong is we also try to like, like we get our intentions muddled up. And um, one thing that I was talking to a mate of mine about in the car once was um, like um, like having to rectify intentions consistently, you know, just to, in order to refresh it, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just learned now, but... Um, one thing that I, I've struggled with for a long time is intentions in general. Um, I wanted to get your perspective on, like, in general, like, how do you maintain intentions and do you need to be consistently updating or is it a thing where you, you say at the beginning and that was your intention and you go off of that? Look, intentions can change. And shaitan will be always there to incha- change your intention. But subhanAllah... Don't ever leave the action because you doubt your intention. That is another snare of shaitan. Now what he does is, he tells you, you know what, your intention is not good. You know, you're showing off, you're trying to impress. Intention, shaitan, subhanallah, is definitely going to come and, and try to get you away from the action. Right? And he will try to whisper in your ears that your intention is not right. Get your intention right first, then you can do it. But in actual fact is getting you away from the action completely. Mm. So subhanAllah, you know, there was this man, he would come to the masjid of Damascus and he would pray in the first saf. And what was the intention? Just to catch the attention of all the musallis there so they can vote for him to become the chairman in the next coming up age and for one entire year, he performed salah, performed salah, performed salah in the first surf, right behind the imam. And when the AGM came, they never voted for him, they voted for someone else. So he lost it. So he told himself, you know what, for one year I've been praying with the wrong intention completely. Anyway, I never get the AGM, but now I'm going to just make my intention sincere and pray for Allah. He prayed only one day sincerely for Allah. And then the person who was voted for passed away. So everyone behind closed doors chose him. So they came and told him after a day that we have chosen you to be our chairman. So he said, you know what? Keep it. For one year, I prayed for you guys. I never get what I wanted. One day I prayed for Allah and he threw it to my feet. So subhanAllah, they say from an ada it becomes an ibadah. 
something is habitual. I mean, we were kids. Our parents would pull up the mosque. Which child willingly would run to the mosque all the time? Unless the uncles gave some candy, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, it becomes a habit. And from the habit, it evolves into an ibadat. If my car is a little bit dirty or it has a dent or two, I'm not throw the car away. Well, fix the dent. So fix the intention, don't throw the amal away. And the ulama says, leaving out an action for people is tantamount of doing an action for people. Both it has ikhlas issues. So it's important, subhanAllah, what we need to do is work on our intention. The intention from the morning, when you get up, make that intention, oh Allah, today, inshallah, for whatever I'm going to do, I want to do it for your pleasure. I want to do it for your pleasure. So alhamdulillah, you do that. In the evening before you sleep, after your muraqaba and muhasaba, you said, Ya Allah, if I done anything today and my intention wavered, I correct my intention now, I do it for your pleasure. So alhamdulillah, every morning and evening, if you correct your intention, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if in between, there are times, no person can be 101% mukhlis, you know, but so long as we're reminding ourselves in the morning and in the evening, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that will take effect and slowly, as I'm saying, pondering, reading a hadith on ikhlas and reminding ourselves, inshallah ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. Uh, it's obviously getting uh, late So I've got a couple more points And yep. then we'll inshallah we'll wrap it up I just wanted to touch on Because before you've well, you've touched on a lot of things About studying now ikhlas Studying the deen You know Learning about the Quran The seerah and stuff like that Is there an area that you think Is of utmost importance For people to study first Maybe it is seerah So they build that love Like you said A lot of people learn knowledge They act on it But they don't have the love So is there an area of the deen That you think is most important so in Ramadan when people take that 30 minutes to an hour they're like I think now I haven't learned aqidah I haven't learned how to read Quran or whatever it is is there an area you think that that should be the first priority see Ibn Arabi rahmatullahi said that the first thing a person should learn is Arabic because it's the tool but today everything has been translated so whilst it is meritorious to learn Arabic we look at uh, Ibn Khaldun he actually travelled the world Ibn Khaldun travelled quite a bit like something similar to Ibn Battuta, and he wrote the rising and the falling of nations. And he studied closely various people in different parts of the world and the, and the reasons why nations rise and the, the reason. And he said today, a lot of people are learning Arabic, but they're not learning the deen. So subhanAllah, Arabic is the tool. MashaAllah, of course, we want to learn Arabic and it's praiseworthy, but sometimes it takes you so many years to learn it, you, you miss the actual... Um, you know, the essence, and that is to learn the deen. So, alhamdulillah, Nabi Karim sallallahu said, To learn the necessary knowledge that's pertaining to an individual becomes fard. And uh, it depends. Every person's scenario changes. If you want to get married, then you have to learn the ahkam and the fiqh around getting married. Today, people are getting married, they don't even know what is the divorce. What is the ahkam of divorce? People are giving three talaqs and then they contact the sheikh to reverse it. But they don't realize that, you know, subhanAllah, it is serious. People don't know what is khula. People don't know what is their responsibilities as a husband to their wife. Wives don't know what is the responsibilities to the husband. It's just mayhem. You can't go and fly a flight, right? You can't go and fly. <laughs> Imagine you go and you, I just put you in the cockpit <laughs> and I say, right, the flight is yours, take it off. You have to go through so much thorough training, right? Mm. 
and then you need manuals and then you need to subhanallah be tested and so many hundreds of hours of flight time with someone responsible before you can actually take it yourself similarly with a car so difficult to get licensed these days but subhanallah you have to do that so how do we then get into the seat of marriage and i'm running a wife and then i'm getting children and people's lives are all under my hand but i don't even know how marriage works in the sharia Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab anhu would not give the license of business and transactions to anyone until they do a course under him. They should actually come to the masjid and learn a thorough course on transactions and business before they would be given a license to go and open up a business in the market. So subhanallah, it's important. If I'm a businessman, I need to know the ahkam governing me as a Muslim. I, I want to be a father, I need to know the governing ahkam regarding having children. And bringing up and the tarbiyah of children. Not when the child is 15 years, then I come to the sheikh, teach me how to be a father. It's too late. Mm-hmm. You missed the boat. So the ahkam and the laws pertaining to what we want to do is a must. It's a fard. It's not even like something which is, you know, subhanallah, um, if you want to do it or not. It's you have to. It's mandatory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the main articles of faith. We don't have to become academics in aqidah. Right? There's no word as aqidah that existed even amongst the Sahaba that later on formate, uh, formed. But it's the main articles of belief to believe in Allah and His Rasul. What takes us out of Iman? What utterances take us out of Iman? What subhanallah is. So these things we have to know, alhamdulillah. Yes, books can teach us to a certain extent, but we have to also study under the tutelage, especially when it comes to fiqh and aqidah, under the tutelage of a credible person who, alhamdulillah, he received the education from elders himself. He's not a self-appointed um, or self-studied sheikh. And secondly, alhamdulillah, he follows the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam to the best of his ability. Mm. Right? Once we get that, alhamdulillah, to study under him or study ourselves, but check with him when we are not sure. Because even the Prophet wasallam, Allah did not just inspire him with a whole lot of knowledge. He sent Jibreel to tutor him. Mm. And the Sahaba also their quality or why they stand out is not because of a lot of knowledge they took from the Prophet. Actually, some of the great scholars that came later on, they probably hold more knowledge and education than some certain Sahaba. Some Sahaba were just farmers. Mm. But why no one in the Ummah can come close to a Sahabi? It's because of the Sahaba and the time they spent with the Prophet That has a very, very you know far-reaching effect. So I would say you know to your question, Alhamdulillah, the main fiqh, a lot of people don't know how to perform wudu properly. Mm. Uh, the salah, mashallah, we're performing, but the proper requisites of salah, as a sheikh, when I teach the chapter of salah, every time I teach it, I get refreshed. And there's so many masail that I pick up. So alhamdulillah, refresh our masail of salah, our masail of wudu, our masail of ghusl, our masail of mu'amalat, of how to deal with one another. This is something that we should look forward to, inshallah, the articles of faith, and alhamdulillah, the seerah is always there. Seerah is something, uh, everyone that comes to me and tells me, I have so much problems in my life. I just can't manage my life. You know, my life is running crazy. So read the seerah. Mm. And I promise you, if you read it with a good heart, and many people came back to me, after reading the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu uh, my problems are not going to evaporate, but the energy and the ability I get to deal with my problems, alhamdulillah, lifts up to a level. And after that, you see those people, mashallah, they're moving much more smoothly. Mm-hmm.
I think it goes back to your point before about learning a little about different things. So I think that's an important thing. Uh, you know, when they talk about reading books, they say there's two um, different philosophies. It's like reading a book just in case. So it's like reading on reading something that's interesting, but it's just in case or just in time. Mm. And I think that's your point here where you're like, seek knowledge that's important to the time you're in. That's because relevant. The, because a lot of times with knowledge, you read a nice hadith, you're like, whoa. But if you act on it, you're like five times more likely to actually memorize it and actually remember it. So that's an important thing. It's like j- read books or learn knowledge just in time instead of just in case because you're less likely to remember it. Umar, it took him eight years to learn Surah Baqarah. <laughs> eight years. Eight years. My kid can learn Surah Baqarah in a month or two. Umar, he knew Arabic and he was so fluent in Arabic. It took eight years. And I asked him why. He said, because I passed an ayah and I never go to the next until I practice that one. I, I internalized it. I imbibed it. I made it penetrate my heart. Imam Malik says, seed ed- seek education to the amount of the salt and let the amal be the amount of the bread. <laughs> you see, you just put a little salt in the bread, just a little bit. That's all needed. But the bread is so huge. So, so much amal with little knowledge. Uh, today, mashallah, we are, as I say, information rich, but uh, ilm poor. Uh, ilm is only that which translates into amal. It's the fuel to bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Nabi Karim sallallahu said, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'ah. Mm-hmm. Oh Allah, I seek beneficial knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge is beneficial, which alhamdulillah brings us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, I wanted to wrap it up. Is there any topics or questions you wanted to bring up? Just so I give you the floor, if there's anything you wanted to bring up. Or... No, Alhamdulillah, I think, mashallah, our youth, mashallah, they charged up for Ramadan and everyone wants to do a lot of things, mashallah. But as you said, keep it kept. Alhamdulillah, be realistic with yourself. You're going to be tired. Uh, definitely, you know, it's long days and the fast takes a lot from us. Alhamdulillah. But, uh, you know, it's the, the month of Ramadan is so holy. That's why they say a person that cannot get the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala in Ramadan will never be able to get the forgiveness of Allah out of Ramadan. It's like if you can't get a sale, you know, uh, sale time in December, <laughs> yeah. when are you going to get it, you know? Mm. So it's, 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 this is the time Allah Ta'ala is ready to forgive. Allah Ta'ala is ready. You just need to tune in mm. and you just need to be there and you just need to try your best. And Allah Ta'ala is not expecting much more than that. Mm. And inshallah Ta'ala, don't be too hard or difficult on yourself, but don't be also lazy and lethargic. A mm. um, little bit of action inshallah Ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will speed up your, your race to Jannah, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. I reckon it's a great way to end it, subhanAllah. But um, definitely, if you have us again, inshallah, Mufti, we'll definitely make the trip down, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. <laughs> and we'll talk about fiqh, you know? Because yeah. I feel um, like there's a lot of things that yeah. day-to-day, like the basic fundamentals. You're most welcome. Our Darul Arqam, mashallah, has been created for this, yeah. for the youth, mashallah. And uh, people come here all the time, but probably it's just not captured. But inshallah ta'ala, if you guys can capture it and share it with more youth, yeah. why not inshallah? And that's what we're here for. Yeah. We freed ourselves uh, for the khidmah and the service, alhamdulillah, of our youth, mashallah. And uh, people like yourself can inshallah amplify that to the youth. Um, alhamdulillah, everyone does not have access to a sheikh, wherever they are. Sometimes youth are on their phones and they just got a question, but now who do we ask? So alhamdulillah, if you can be that bridge between the shuyukh MashaAllah, I've seen you have some amazing programs with uh, Sheikh Bilal Asad and Sheikh Abu Hamza and the likes of many other shuyukh. When you can be the bridge between the shuyukh and the youth. And uh, Alhamdulillah, 
supply the answers to everyone, why not? Yeah. And you will get the reward. Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, uh, if you can't go out your pa- in the path of Allah, by you sponsoring someone to go out in the path of Allah, you get the reward. Mm. And subhanAllah, you feed a fasting person, you get the reward. So probably, alhamdulillah, you go to the shiyukh and you be that bridge between them. Whilst the shiyukh are getting a great reward, mashallah, you also feeding into that. Would you be able to, because I think a lot of our audience maybe haven't heard of Dara Arkham, would you be able to just explain what you, what this beautiful location is, even like 30 seconds or a minute, just so yes, people understand? Darul Arkham is mainly based on education, alhamdulillah, and education for our adults. Whilst there's many madrasas and organizations that take Alhamdulillah, great pride in nurturing our kids. I believe that there's a huge, Alhamdulillah, vacuum when it comes from teenagers to adults. So we, Alhamdulillah, have uh, a team of uh, educational specialists, curators, where we try to put uh, beautiful, uh, short causes together. And Alhamdulillah, deliver them to the public online and also in person. And we done, for example, last year, Revive a Sunnah cause where we discussed the sunnahs of the Prophet in all the you know different facets of his life, this year we're doing a beautiful cause, mo- probably after Ramadan, inshallah, the character of the Prophet where we will talk about amazing characteristics of the Prophet when it comes to akhlaq. Um, so education is our pride, alhamdulillah. But with that, also alhamdulillah, we do a lot of welfare. So overseas, I just came back from Yemen, and alhamdulillah, we also locally we look after many families. COVID, alhamdulillah, we took part in many many. Alhamdulillah, you know, um, programs. Then well-being, well-being as this room we are sitting in, mashallah, is a retreat room where we have doctors and uh, psychologists and alhamdulillah, uh, youth counselors. They help people through their pains and difficulties and traumas that they go through on a daily you know, uh, basis. It's called the Afia team. We also have, alhamdulillah, the youth. They do amazing programs in, Ram- in, in, in December. They had a youth camp. And uh, many, many different programs for the youth, alhamdulillah. And during the year, mashallah, the youth are very, very active. We also, mashallah, the sisters, mashallah, they outdo us completely. You know, on a weekly basis, we have the ta'aleem, which uh, attracts more than 150 to sometimes 200 sisters that come. And uh, alhamdulillah, they have, uh, you know, reflections on the beach and they have this and that. They keep the sisterhood together. There's many sisters and brothers that come from afar. And they come from Sydney, they come from Adelaide, they come from Brisbane, they move up here. They have no family. Mm. Some people coming from interstate, some people from overseas. So alhamdulillah, having a strong sisterhood, when the sister comes, she just falls into that and she feels part of a community. Mm. Otherwise, it becomes very lonely. Mm. So alhamdulillah, that is happening. And uh, besides that, we, we also alhamdulillah on the forefront of Dawah and uh, reverts. So alhamdulillah, as I was saying to you, more than 15 people accepted Islam in the last few months. And uh, that is something ongoing. Alhamdulillah, we have packs. We give them out. Uh, Ramadan is coming. We make date packs. We go to the homes. We give it out to the non-Muslims. We have various beautiful ways of giving dawah. Not direct, but more of preemptive, where we show the kindness of Islam. Soft and then naturally, when you throw the net out there, not that we're doing it with that intention, but we're showcasing the beauty of Islam. Mm. And people do come back to us. And Alhamdulillah, there's many people that accept Islam. Um, so that is the reverts, alhamdulillah, the dawah, the well-being, the welfare, the youth, the sisters, and the education that is the pivot of all. That is Darul Arqam, and it is named after Darul Arqam of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa which was a small little hut house on the Mount of Safa, and everyone was welcome. Bilal from Abyssinia, uh, and subhanallah, Suhaib from 
Rome and subhanallah the Arabs and everyone was there. It was a mixture of different cultures, but it was all based rich and poor, women and children, all based on the rich, subhanallah, unity of Islam. Oh, that's perfect. Inshallah, we'll put may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in your work. Uh, Amen. Inshallah, we'll uh, put all the links and everything, inshallah, in the description. Exactly. And then, inshallah, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do it? Just through the Darqam. Dar- dar- There's a Darul Arqam number, the 1800 number. So it's a 1800-786-111. And also, there's another number, 499 That's Alhamdulillah, both those are accessible. And uh, mashallah, we have an email, the admin at darularkam.com.au. And alhamdulillah, you know, our Facebook is there. People are writing messages to Facebook. And also, alhamdulillah, we have a YouTube channel, we have an Instagram. There's many, many different ways, alhamdulillah. And, you know, it's overwhelming sometimes. We can't answer everyone all the time. But as much as possible, we try our best, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. We'll put all the links, inshallah. I think the brother has been trying to contact me a long time. <laughs> but finally got through. Alhamdulillah. 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 Persistence, huh? Alhamdulillah. We learned from one of the brothers inside uh, persistence. <laughs> uh, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khairan, Sheikh. Thank you very much, guys, for watching. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe. And, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. No this has been very, very, very rewarding. Inshallah. I'll, I'll visit you guys studio next time. Inshallah. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Take care.